Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Happy weekend to you, wherever you may be. Just the start of December, last month of the year, holiday season. Good times ahead. Good times here already. We are Manson Mitchell, in your ears for the hour, and we are ably assisted, as always, of a Saturday by tall guy Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you, sir? Good morning, Gary. And don't mind me. I'm not doing any, like, gain signs or anything like that. Just putting my dubs up for a Pac-12 championship (laughs) for the University of the Washington Huskies. All right. I caught practically none of the game on TV last night except for... UW's go-ahead touchdown. I yeah, I have seen the best of it. I was kind of watching it on and off because I was at my pool league, but uh, yeah, just caught everything, and especially at the end when it was getting tight and Huskies finally got that first down they needed to start kneeling the ball and run out the clock, and they did a great job uh, keeping it in the game and staying ahead of the Ducks for most of the time because the Ducks did pull ahead for a little bit, but... Ultimately, the Huskies kept the command of the field in their favor. You know, we know Oregon, the Oregon Ducks are no easy win. No, they're They're not. Especially in the second half. They always talk about how they're a second half team and they really Mm -hmm. just start exploding in that portion of the game. And once they started creeping up before the end of the first half, it was like, uh oh, here come the Ducks. But the Huskies managed to hold them behind them. I always say about the Oregon Ducks, God bless them. And I love Eugene, Oregon. You know, they're the rivals. Sure, I get it. But it's a great university town. What I want to say to them is when it comes to uniforms, pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Just pick one. I saw a little thing on the internet. It was like uh, five million uniforms, zero championships. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, and uh, Huskies looking very traditional last night. Purple and gold, great stuff, and I wish them well. It'd be great for them to bring home a national championship. Oh, yeah. Let's wish them all the best in uh, college football playoffs once those come around and they start playing in that. We look forward to what comes. That's for sure. It's going to be exciting. Suzanne, we've, we're excited because I think it's the first time in a couple of years we've had a chance to talk with Mickey Jacobs. And strangely enough, she is a regular with us. She first time we ever talked to Mickey Jacobs was in 2011, and today is her 12th visit. So 12 years with us and 12 visits. I, I think we're pretty much on target there. Beautiful. Even though we've been on 17 years, we're in our 17th year now. And this so. is Mickey Jacobs from a different angle with her latest book. It is. Let me give you a bio for her, and we will bring her on. Mickey Jacobs is an internationally acclaimed medium, speaker, and author whose life's journey has been a remarkable one, beginning with a conservative Jewish upbringing, serving in the Israeli army, and later establishing a successful business in the United States. These diverse experiences have greatly contributed to her discovery of spirituality and profoundly influenced her spiritual path. Using her ability to connect with the spirit world, Mickey has conducted thousands of readings around the globe. Through channeling, lectures, social media, outlets, 
group readings, video and print, including her first book, Soul Secrets. Mickey presents the teachings of spirits to people around the world. Alongside her husband, Clayton, Mickey has devoted two decades to the noble cause of rescuing animals on their Southern California ranch. It is this profound love for both animals and spiritual work that inspired her to write her latest book, Sacred Wild, The Spiritual World of Animals, Including Pets, and its interconnectedness with ours. And we are very happy to bring back to Manson Mitchell for the 12th time, Mickey Jacobs. Hello, Mickey. Good to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to talk to you uh, as well. I didn't know it's 12th time. Today. Today. A dozen. Yes. Really fantastic. You know, I love being here. Thank you for having me again. We love having you on, Mickey, and we are very excited to talk about your book, Sacred Wild, because we do talk about animals periodically, but not often. And you now have a book that is about the spiritual world of animals, and we are just so eager to kind of dive right into it and have you talk about some of the things in your book how are you doing generally on the ranch and in Southern California? Everything okay? Everything is okay. It's a busy home, of course, because currently we have 20 animals. So, but uh, we just love it. You know, guys, like in the evening when we both grab a couch and we have all the animals, you know, on the, on the couches and it just absolutely warmed my heart. I really, truly love them. The horses are well. Uh, so everyone is well. It's a, yeah, it's a busy but delightful lunch. Good. I remembered you had horses. What other animals do you have? So we have horses, dogs, cats, parrots, tortoises, and ducks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Quite a menagerie. So that takes it care is. of the first three or four hours of your morning every day. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it's it's lovely. It really is. They give so much back. So even when days are busy, and of course, the price of hay is really expensive now. So it's make things challenge. But once we get an animal, it's for life. And we just uh, believe the universe help. And it did indeed for over 25 years now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you get a lot back, a lot. What was the inspiration at a certain point in your life and career, Mickey, that prompted you to sit down and write this book? Was there some moment where you decided, okay, this is what I need to do next? Yeah, it was, Gary, actually, kind of a moment. Uh, I born with overly love for animals and nature because I remember myself very young in my room back in Israel. I was perhaps maybe seven or eight where I had a poster, kind of a large poster on the wall, and it was in a barn, and it was animals, like uh, somewhere like wild, like a sheep and a goat and horses and cats and dogs. And I had that feeling, being very young, that one day I will have that. Uh, And I remember getting stray dogs and animals and bring them home and hide them in my room so my parents won't see it. So 
it was a very, very strong connection. I know it was quite an operation. <laughs> so, and then when they caught that, then I put them downstairs because, of course, Israel, there is no space. So it's an apartment building. So it was always, always very powerful. And therefore, I believe my soul arrived this incarnation with that specific path or purpose of being really a fighter for animals. And as the years went by, I always, always had at least one pet, uh, always believed very strongly and adapted them. And so as the time go by, it grew the power of love for animals, but it almost, it's a double-edged sword because as I grow older, it's very, very sensitive. And I would even say limited guys in a way that I become more, uh, nervous of killing anything, and I mean anything. I mean ants and spider. It's a, I get depressed if I by mistake. So we save everything that that live here, and then I'm very sensitive to movies or even cartoons because Clayton always tell me you understand that they are CGI animals, right? <laughs> and it just becoming more and more limited. Where I just. I cannot watch anything resemble to anything that has to do with animal, even cartoon, even Bambi, doesn't matter. <laughs> so it does gathering power in regard to my sensitivity to animals. And that's when I like, uh, it took a long time to write Sacred Wild. It took over two years. It's mostly a channel book. So it was an automatic writing, the information that I received. And also the first half of the book that more talk about spirituality and animals. Of course, their soul and soul group incarnation karma. I also was inspired to put in the book comparison with us human beings in order to help readers understand animals better. Besides, I was thinking since it is a spiritual book, I always want to make sure that the uh, people that read it uh, expand their spiritual growth. So throughout the book, I have a comparison of the spiritual world of animal and ours. So I start writing it and it took a long time. Some of the information I memorized from pets that come through in readings, departed pets, souls that describe uh, information. And of course, research and people that relate to me over the years, stories about animals. But uh, yeah, I, uh, it is Gary. It was almost overnight where I say this is it. I have to take that project. And it was long, but it is out uh, to people. Well, thank you for that answer, Mickey. I found that many of our most significant works, our achievements or experiences generally happen at moments that are pivotal, even though we don't know it at the time. Things happen because they need to happen then. You can't always plan your way through life, though we like to think that we can do so. Everything significant have its divine timing, that it was pre-designed designed by the soul. So the time where the idea or essentially spirit say it's time to start writing it, as well as when it was uh, uh, published, accomplished. It was very much meant to be. I very much believe it to be so. Of course, being a human being, I complained to spirit the whole two years. 
<laughs> you know, how can you hurry up, hurry up, hurry up? Because you towards the end, guys, I mean, I very much love this project. Uh, as I did my first book, Soul Secret, but this is more dear to my heart because it's animal and spirituality. So I was so fed up where things were like Chinese. I'm like, oh, God. But that was the explanation that if they had to add stuff, I need to be patient and add it. Uh, and here it is. Everything come to an end. And, and it did. But it, it did, I believe, as you do, Gary, that uh, significant things have its own divine timing. Some weeks ago, uh, Mickey, Gary and I talked to a woman who wrote a book about the plant kingdom, oh. about um, the, the interaction of the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the human kingdom. And after reading that book, I was I was realizing that we are much more aware of animals because they move and breathe and and have similar qualities to us than the plant kingdom. But what we ultimately were talking about was a three-legged stool where all three of those things on planet Earth are very, very connected. Humans, very connected to animals. Humans, very connected to the plant world. And having everything be interconnected in that way. And so we, you know, we think, unless we are thinking in terms of the stewardship of the planet Earth, we are under the misconception that somehow we are at the top when actually we're all really rather equal. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about the the life of animals incarnating, especially when some animals are very interactive with human beings, cats and dogs, and many animals have their own world and their own lives, which are less connected or seemingly so. And and what? How do you visualize the animal kingdom in its connectedness to humans? So, if I might, may touch the first subject, which is the one of the major theme of Sacred Wild, that we are all are, we all are interconnected, and that's including plants because there is the chi or soul or higher self within all of us or what a soul for human being or a chi within nature or plants or trees is essentially extension or a part of the creator. So we each have a part of him within the form and therefore we are all interconnected. The only difference we have between us human beings, animals and plants is that the God, with the Creator's energy, of course, within different form, express itself differently. So a soul, sometimes called higher self, again, part, fracture, or extension of God within human being, expresses itself through a human form. A soul within an animal expresses itself through animal's form. 
Now, because animals have many species, as opposed to human being, just human being, it expresses itself through different form. So a soul within the group of, of the, the, the species as pet express itself through pets and mostly grow or express its godlike essence into the world through interaction with people. You know, wild animal would be different. So a soul express itself through the wild animal that are all different. You know, so in every single incarnation, a soul will incarnate into a different human being. It one time into incarnate into a female or a male or a different life circumstances. Now, why is that? Because the main goal of all souls, including the chi within planet, is once again to express its beautiful essence into this world through the form in which it is occupying. So every incarnation, a soul will look into another life. So a soul of a pet would incarnate into a dog, a cat, a goat pet that interact with people. Soul of wild animal will incarnate one incarnation as the predator, one incarnation as to different animal, ocean animal, land animals, reptile animal, all in the uh, uh, supreme goal of expressing itself. So we are all equal through our soul within the body. And therefore, humans are not better than animals. We are absolutely equal, not only because it is the same essence within the body, also it's all part of God. So certainly the creator will not favor human being more than animals or more than a rose bush. It is exactly the same thing. I agree with you, Mickey. And to put it concisely, we tend to anthropomorphize God. The saying in the Bible is that uh, we're made a little lower than the angels. We are made in God's image. But I think we humans have a very natural an unfortunate tendency to limit God by creating God in our image. Right, right. That's why when I use the phrase gods in interview and even in the book, I always add God as energy. Because frankly, in my growing up in Judaism, and my parents are pretty orthodox, God was a man with a beard and a cane, where I was afraid of him that he will strike me dead if I don't follow, follow the holidays. So as I turn into spirituality, God, a supreme being, immensely loved us all and created us difficult, different because as we express ourselves through the form in which we occupy, we as souls, you know, it's kind of in return also expand the creator. So it's all the expansion of the creator. So uh, yeah, so uh, the, the world, that's why I also even Gary use the phrase more of a creator than a god that maybe tend to be kind of more towards religion, but that certainly need an explanation. Oh, absolutely. And I've always, I've always thought it odd that, you know, the old part I can understand, you know, if you just look at geologic time, right. <laughs> the, the, the age of the planet, I get the old part, but God with a beard, that seems like a bit of an affectation to me, you know, <laughs> I can, I can understand it if it's Santa, 
<laughs> and of course, Gary is always a male for some odd reason growing up. I always imagine him as just a male figure. So it's, I believe, with all due respect to religion, it's a bit a twisted view of God, of a spiritual God that is delightful and it's within ourselves and animals and plants. Once you authentically adopt that concept, you will not ever disrespectful to animal you will never be cruel to them you will never destroy nature you will never just be be so it uh, but it's require uh, authenticity it's require adapting that concept and that's when i pray for humanity to be to realize that indeed through the energy of god we are indeed all connected unfortunately we are a bit far from this realization at the moment you know, Mickey, when we talk about the um, the sacredness of human beings and we talk about the creator and we talk about God, we have these ideas in our head and it comes out in a very religious way that we belong to some religion somewhere about the, the God of our understanding. But what about the animal world? They don't go to church. They don't go to synagogue. So when you're talking about the spiritual nature of animals and the uh, expression of that, of that essence of life in the animal form, how do you explain about an animal's spirituality? So it starts by understanding briefly the concept of an ego, which is not a world. This is an energy that resides within human being. The ego is an entity, take the word the right way, people might, might misunderstand the word entity, but it's an energy field that was created by the negative of the collective of humanity throughout our existence. So therefore, it resides within each human being, and it's byproduct of who we are as human. Now, a lot of people ask me, you say, God is so wonderful, and why is the ego there? Well, it is not a spiritual mistake by God, but rather the energy of the ego within us human beings help us grow. It helps us to push us to grow spiritually. It helps us to get the realization that indeed we have that energy within the body, that if not disciplined or rise above, or take the energy away from him, it's uh, create a great amount of destruction as we can see collectively within the planet now and individually. Animals' reaction are never intentionally negative. They don't have an ego within their body because the collective energy do not create that. So animals' reaction, even when one animal kills another, even when pets harm other pets, even when pets harm other human beings and even unfortunately kill them, it's from instinctual, it's instinct, it's fear, it's illness, it's being pushed to the corner. So animals collectively do not have the intentionally of creating a negative uh, uh, reaction or behavior. The animals do not have an ego. Because animals do not have the energy of the ego within their body, they have one energy reside within them as opposed to us human beings that we have two energy we have the higher self soul reside within the body and we have the energy of the ego our job is to side with the correct energy meaning the soul you know and therefore grow animals only have 
the delightful, beautiful energy of the soul within the body. And therefore, they are not clouded by negativity. That's why animals soothe us. That's why animals live in the present moment. That's why animals have a naivety aspect to their life, like babies, like beautiful. So that is the main difference how a, a human being are different than animals. You know, having said that, I must add real quick here, that although animals don't have a, 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 an ego, a, they're very, very powerful because they are in a constant alignment with their soul. So there is great amount of power that, let's say, if we take our pet, because they align with the soul, they see other spirits, they are able to detect harmful energies around us. For example, cats are able to actually detect negative energy around us, absorb, absorb it into their own system, their own body, and release it away from us. Dogs, just to take an example, are able to warn us if there are any uh, negative people. Again, because they are aligned with their soul, they're able to see with their soul eyes. They're able to tell when we are distressed, when we are ill, when people are dying, when we're not well. Look when we are having a stressful day. What do pets do? They come immediately to us. They know what to do. They know how to soothe us energetically in any other way. So although animals might not, soul of an animal might not express itself the way human beings do, really essentially they are as powerful. Let's go ahead and take a break. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're talking with Mickey Jacobs, Sacred Wild, the name of her new book. We're going to get into uh, some of these metaphysical weeds. It's so intriguing to me, the life of animals and the planet that we share with them. That will be a lot of the substance of our continuing conversation on the other side of a short break. Give us a couple of minutes. We are Manson Mitchell, and we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures Detail in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. 
Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Mickey Jacobs. Mickey, if people would like to get your book, Sacred Wild, or your first book, Soul Secrets, or connect with you in any way, what is your website? What is the best way for them to do that? So Sacred Wild is available on Amazon if they want the, the, the um, how you call that, the, you know, the, the hard copy and the other one, I forgot how you call that, you know, the audio thingy. And we're also recording it as an audible soon, so that should be ready shortly. If people need a signed copy, then they should go to my website at nickyjacobs.com. So I have signed copies, so that's kind of fun for, for certain people. And most of the information, of course, I have social media, so it's media Mickey Jacobs and Facebook. I do um, short videos, maybe five to maybe eight minutes that based on the book, I kind of pick up important topics from the book and describe them in a video. So I'm also on TikTok and and Facebook and YouTube under uh, my name. So, and um, events, eventually, I will add a little bit more events uh, that, again, has to do with, uh, with the concept of the, bo- of the book. But uh, uh, most of the information will always be updated on MickeyJacobs.com. Excellent. And I just want to make sure people know that Mickey is M-I-K-I-Jacobs.com. M-I-K-I-Jacobs, Mickey Jacobs. Um. What were we talking about before the break about the spirituality of animals and and this the soul connection the planet that we share? What about the homes that we share, Mickey? To have a cat or a dog? Well, you've got uh, quite the menagerie going. Yeah, Absolutely. There. What are all the soul connections? What What is it that animals do for us that we can reciprocate? It seems to me that the bottom line is unconditional love. Right. So it's all start, which what I mentioned earlier, with adapting the absolutely spiritual fact that they're not just animals. That's my main kind of word that I use, that there is a God essence within them. This is the number one, which why animal souls is my first chapter, because it is the base. Of course, we talk in nature as well, uh, and all animals, wild animals, but we have to be able to adapt that. And through the, 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 the conscience or the energy of God within them, they understand way more than think. They sense way more than we are aware of. When we talk to them, we, under, we understand. Now, of course, there's different personality to pets. 
pets are different, cats are different, but what, what, what most people unfortunately think that they're just animal, actually call it just animal, it's completely correlated wrong. So that's kind of what on the surface is that to believe that there is an essence in animals that therefore need respect, need love, and that they are able to see, we are unable to see spirit, very few people can, they do, they have a full-blown conversation, look at your pets, when kind of looking around, because they have a full-blown conversation with other departed pets, with spirit guide, with angels, you know, they receive information, as I mentioned previously, that they help us, so once you kind of got that basic spiritual concept that they have a soul you also know that there is no death because if there is the energy within the within the body within all form it's mean that when the body died the soul peacefully exit the physical body and uh, travel to the heavenly dimension back home to the spirit world. So again, so it's adapting that there is an essence within your animal, within all animals, and although losing a pet is a devastating, at least for me, a kind of an event, you, have, you rely on the fact that whether it is your loved one or your pet, moving on, that that indeed is just shedding the physical body. So also in regard to pet, they have an unbelievable mission as I dedicated specific chapter to that mission of our pets in our lives. And yes, Gary, the first and foremost is the soul of our pet main purpose is to teach us indeed unconditional love. But there are so much more. They teach us to overcome fear, people that are introverted, people that have anxiety, uh, afraid of going out. I mean, animals with their energy, with their supposedly magical hidden ways in which they do that, they help open, open, open us up. They have, So they have a major, major mission of our life. Of course, the exchange of our pet with us because as souls, whether human being or animal, there is never one side grow. There is always kind of both sides grow, kind of like within a family unit of human being. Yes, the parent helped the kids, but also the kids have the parent. This major amount of growth for all the souls within a family unit, a lot of balancing of karma. So souls kind of help each other. So yes, animals, pets help us in, in many ways, but it's supposed to be exchange of respecting them, of understanding them, of treating them equal to us. So uh, it's uh, they have a really a major uh, place in our lives, animals, way more than what people uh, think. And that gets me thinking about the concept, which I, until this conversation, I think, had me thinking of it as comforting and quaint, this idea of the rainbow bridge. If there's a rainbow bridge, then there is a soul. There is a continuing life, not just for us human beings, but for all of life that returns to the source, to the spirit world. Yes. And the Rainbow Bridge is a very nice way of referring to it, but it's a soul connection that goes beyond this mortal existence. Once you open to the concept of soul, you're also going to be able to sense your departed pets and loved one, but we're talking animals here. If you're not open to the concept that your pet survived death, 
their soul exit the body and move forward to the spirit world. You would never recognize signs. You would know what to look for. But once open to the concept that like human beings, pet souls or animal souls are indeed very much with us after the passing, give us major amount of beautiful, clear signs. You don't have to be a medium. You don't have to be a channeler. It's very heavy, very obvious because we are all naturally medium. I don't have a special gift. I just shot at the age of 33. We all have that because we all have the soul within the body. So we all are natural born medium, if you will. So if you open to the concept that your departed pet is with you, they're with you. The other pets going to tell you that you're with you. The signs, there's pets that look like them, there's feathers, there's, you know, and you would know intuitively that this is your pet. So again, the main thing is being open to the concept that indeed they have the essence of God within the body and they're powerful, survive the death, there is no death, and with you. So the more you realize that, the more you sense them. I had a, a very small black French poodle when I was two or three years old. I was too young to take care of it myself. And I was too young to even remember when my parents felt like they needed to get rid of the animal when my sister was born and it jumped into the crib to to bite her. And, and so they got rid of the dog. Well, I forgot all about that dog. I think I have one photograph with my little French poodle. And it was only a few years ago that I had a reading from a medium who said, do you have a small black dog? And I, I said, no, I don't. And she said, there's a little, little poodle that's near you. <laughs> and, and I went, oh, oh, yes, yes, I did have a little poodle. <laughs> but it would, it, this would have been decades ago. And I was so young that I didn't even remember having right. the dog if it wasn't for that, you know, one photograph and the story that I heard from my parents later saying we had to get rid of your dog because it bit your sister. And, and I said, oh, okay. I, I didn't even remember it from two or three years old. But interesting that the dog was still with me all these years later and came out in a reading. I wouldn't have even thought of it. So here's a, here's a case where there's that interaction of the, the spirit world with the with the human world in ways that are very mysterious so of course the the love is eternal they exit the body and continue to be with us they usually wait for us until we go home until we die and then they welcome us home uh, it's a uh, really really heartwarming as to the their presence in our life and again uh, uh, for example, we the, the noises we hear here, Suzanne, at night, because when we're downstairs, you know, and it's the same identical noise to where one of the cats used to jump on a kind of a high table. And, you know, when you jump down on a hardwood floor and we thinking it's one of the three cats where, in fact, all the three are with us. So all you need to do is open yourself up to the concept that they didn't die, the concept of the soul, the more you receptive to the concept, the more they get excited and bring us more signs. 
signs, mm-hmm. fascinating signs. And yeah, that's uh, but this is up to us. If you remain close-minded, that animal do not solve a lot of religion, you know, teach them fathers, the humans are superior, that there is no souls of animals, you know, but a little bit open. What would happen to the energy when you stay open? It will carry you through because then the animal from spirit see that you open and the more you look for signs, the more you get. It's uh, undeniable and beautiful. And yes, pets do come in readings. Uh, their channeling is a little bit more less complex than when I channel human souls due to their complexity, complexity of a human life. Of course, there's family, you know. Nonetheless, it is beautiful. It's full of love. It's full of guidance. It's protection. Because once again, it's a soul is a soul. There's no difference. I would like to get on a, a little byway here with you for my own education and probably that of any number of people listening to us right now, Mickey. What is the underpinning? And I suspect it's compassion under Jewish law. But how does kosher law and the handling, the stewardship, and quite frankly, the the slaughtering of animals factor into what it is to be an observant Jew? Uh, so, so one of the topic is the purpose of animals that are being killed for food. Uh, Gary, I cannot explain to you how difficult it was for me to write it to where I needed more of a trance kind of a channeling, which I don't need to do it because I can heal spirit, meaning they need to do it through me. It, it's very hard for me to channel. So to say real quick in general about animals that are their purpose is uh, to be an animal that provide food for human beings. So remember, we're looking here at the perspective of the soul, not the animals, not Mickey thinking about it. I'm still human being, so obviously it's a gentle subject to me. So for people that ask me a lot, so why, you know, there's the slaughtering for food? Because though the purpose of that soul, of that animal, indeed incarnate into planet Earth to experience that. There is a lot of reason for that. There is a lot of growth for the soul. But remember, you need to look at it from that perspective. As for the kosher and all that, uh, to me, it's appeared, Gary, a little bit more of rules that Judaism put. I did not hear anything from spirit, from the spirit world, to backing this up. And again, that's no disrespect to religion. And every religion has their own thing. Uh, I don't, uh, is that okay that they kill animals for food? Listen, meat is realistic. Uh, uh, meat does give benefit to human beings. I'm happy to be vegetarian all my life, but this is just my thing. So it's kind of the same as hunting. Uh, I used to believe that why people hunt, isn't there enough food in the store? I used to believe that up until kind of my 20, not only when I was young. And it's really, really affecting the concept of hunt, hunting. So I said, why do they hunt? Why do they kill more animals? Is there enough animal in stores? I know it sounds kind of a little bit silly. And then as of course, I broadened my perspective. And I said, there's people that live remote. There's people that hunt and eat what it is they hunt. But to hunt for sport, I cannot even exp- 
expressed to you my feeling about it. I wrote it in the book. I say, if you need to get thrilled, buy a Corvette or go to some amusement park and do not take it on innocent animals. So again, we need to look at things in more of a bigger perspective. Nothing wrong with being kosher, if that's the people that follow it. I didn't hear that there is a significant in regarding to spirituality with kosher. That's not what spirituality does. Spirituality directs people towards kindness. Spirituality directs people to respect. Respect because we are all the same due to the essence within the body. And all the other rules that are all different, for example, Judaism believes that we are the chosen people. How is it even possible? If the creator is all loving, how can one part be more important than other? And of course, I bring examples from Judaism because that's my background. And I'm sure it's Christianity and Muslim and Catholic all have their own kind of rules. But no, I don't pay too much attention about the kosher. I am familiar with that. My parents still do that, which is that fantastic for them. Uh, important for me that those people would remain kind. But if that's their belief, that's the point of growth, Gary. Uh, we not we all follow the same thing, but uh, I find it uh, insignificant. Well, thank you for that, Mickey. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to chosenness, I heard it, I read it actually, a book written by a rabbi whose name I forget, unfortunately. But he said, when it comes to chosenness, there is one way to look at it that does not involve being special, like we're all that. But when it comes to the evolution of human civilization, the Jews are the chosen people looked at one way because they were the only civilization within civilization that would accept the responsibility. Right. So it's more a growth perspective. So this is more of a spiritual perspective. There is a reason for Judaism because humanity grow through Judaism, as it does for different reasons in different religion. But the Creator doesn't. We cannot choose Gary over Mickey, and Mickey over. He doesn't go like that. And the reason for that because we are a part of Him. It's kind of like not care that you break your finger because it's only your finger. Well, your finger is still part of your body. You'll take care of it, even when you get a little bit something small in the... So it's like it's, we are part of him. There is no favorism. That's why he doesn't favor human being over animal, over a plant or a grass. It's all one, one like organism, one connected. So, but uh, again, I mean, uh, uh, if we are judging religion then I'm drifting away from my spiritual belief or spiritual study because that is perfectly okay. Again, what I love about spirituality, guys, it's the basic of kindness. It's the basic of God as energy. It's the basic that we all part of him because that's major. If we all part of him, why are we killing one another? Why aren't we, why are we not respectful to nature and to animals? So, uh, uh, that's really the basic of my teaching through the book and through my teaching in general. We have a neighbor whose son acquired a three-legged dog. The mm. dog was injured in some way. And for whatever reason, he seemed to get a lot of publicity from it. He was on on television there he was in the newspapers and my neighbor 
having this son with the three-legged dog, decided that he was going to get a dog. And he sought out and found another three-legged dog that had been shot by its former owner and lost its leg. And so Gary and I see this man walking every day with his three-legged dog. And Gary always (laughs) has treats in his pocket. So this dog knows it. And he's going to come up to Gary and get his daily treats. But it's interesting that the father saw the compassion that the son had for his animal and then did the same thing. Now the two three-legged dogs play together. They have play dates and and the two dogs get together. When I first saw it, I was wondering, and I didn't ask him, but, you know, I thought, well, why not get him a leg? Why not get him an artificial leg or, or do something? This dog is very active, very lively. Right. It's a big dog. And it it almost doesn't know that it only has three legs. Right. I mean, he's just living his life. But when you think that both father and son did the oh. same thing, does it seem like there's some kind of destiny for either the animal or the people involved that they would have that kind of a connection? Remember, Suzanne, that we talk about that the mission or purpose of pets in our life is an exchange of love. So they give us that unconditional love, protection, guidance. When we do something like that, when we rescue, when we make more a choice to rescue animals, maybe animals that need more love, give them the best life they can. Of course, it's contribute to our own karma because it's all energy and we establish the connection. That is what we're supposed to do. They give us, we give them the same within a human family unit. So those people that really rescue those three dogs, they are succeeding in the exchange of love that they have with that specific soul. Beautiful. That's why Clayton and I only pick the supposedly ugly dogs. Only pick <laughs> dogs. <laughs> we actually go, you know, one of our dogs, guy, Jakey, no one wanted him for two years in the shelter because he had very unusual feet. They're like really all crooked. He looked like a little shark on a dog body. <laughs> and we're like, what the hell is it? Is it a dog? Is it what is it? <laughs> so no one wanted him. And we look for those dogs. We look, we we over the years we got a golden retriever that was a a a, 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 a midget, never grew, had seizures all the time. Now she lived very little time with us, but we look for those. The more you contribute to the well-being of any. That's why I touch the hunting. That's why I touch respect to animals. You know, support, if possible, an organization that watch over uh, uh, animals in the wild. The more we do that, the more not only it's contribute to our individual karma, because we frankly doing something right. It's project to the collective. 
the collective of humanity now is in trouble, which you see, we see the state of affair of the world. But once it's going to start shifting by one by one by one, doing the right thing, including what we're discussing here about animals, everything is energy. We will project it to the collective, and the collective going to start tilting to positivity. It will take time, but it will happen. We here talk about animals, but so I hope that the listeners will adapt that, will will go get out of the way. I even really briefly took because I took Q and A at the end of I I included Q and A at the end of the book, and a lot of people say, well, I only like one breed of dogs. Is that bad that I go to a breeder? No, it's not bad if you give the dog a good life. It's not bad. Some people prefer. But why only that? Why not go to animals that already need a home? Besides, the shelter is packed with purebred animals, you know, and what's wrong with the mixed one? You do something good. You provide it to the animal, the specific animal, the collective animal, the collective of animals you provide to you. And frankly, it just feels good. It feels good to yes. rescue something. It just, yes. I mean, even if forget spirituality, it feels good. So, Maybe do the right thing. Maybe have one pure breed and the other one up. Maybe rescue it from a puppy mill. There is certain things that we can do to give them back. And we give they give us plenty. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Once again, tell people about where to go to get a copy of your book, particularly a signed copy. Put it out there one more time, Mickey Jacobs. Of course. Thank you, Gary. So a signed copy, you just go through mikijacobs.com. Uh, Clayton, do the website for me. It's very self-explanatory. We order the book. I sign it and send it back to you. And of course, you can also do Amazon. And subscribe to my newsletter because I'm starting to plan the book. Just get, got out two and a half weeks ago, but I am starting to plan more events to the book. Certainly, you would see uh, quite uh, often uh, teaching or video, as I said earlier, uh, and uh, and hopefully that will expand your knowledge about. Frankly, like you said, Suzanne, the the the, the extraordinary world that we really coexist with uh, animals. Yes, absolutely. And it would make a wonderful gift for the holidays. So thank thank you you once again, Mickey Jacobs, for joining us and telling us about Sacred Wild. It's uh, We have a lot of animal lovers listening to our show, and I'm sure they appreciate today. So thank thank you, you. guys. And happy holidays to you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you to you too, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we look forward to our next visit with you, Mickey Jacobs. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Great to have you with us anytime. We hope you have a great weekend and a great week ahead. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington.